0: You are listening to the weekly sermon from the Canton United Methodist Church in Canton, South Dakota. We're a church that strives to make disciples of Jesus Christ who make a difference. To learn more, visit us at cantonsdumc.org. And now, here's Pastor Clay. As I mentioned, our scripture this morning does indeed come to us from the Gospel of Luke, and this is the end of the story of the disciples' walk to Emmaus be reading verses uh, 30 30 through 35 of chapter 24 in Luke's Gospel, which is on page 121 in your pew Bibles, if you'd like to follow along with today's reading. Jesus sat down with the disciples, broke the bread and said the blessing. Then he broke the bread and gave it to them. Then their eyes were opened and they recognized him, but he disappeared from their sight. They said to each other, wasn't it like a fire burning in us? when he talked to us on the road and explained the scriptures to us? They got up at once and went back to Jerusalem, where they found the other eleven disciples gathered together with the others, and saying, The Lord is risen indeed, he has appeared to Simon. Then two men, the two disciples, explained to them what happened on the road, and how they recognized the Lord when he broke the bread. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Would you pray with me? Holy and gracious God, may the words of my mouth and the meditation of all of our hearts be holy and acceptable to you. For you, O God, are our rock, and you are our redeemer, and we give you thanks for who you are as we say together. Amen. So one of the things on the wall of my office is a gift that I received from Bishop Bruce O. on the night of my ordination. And it's a gift that he gave to every pastor that he ordained during his service to the Dakotas Conference from the years between 2012 and 2020. And the gift that Bishop O gave all of us is a list of succession of the Office of Elders. It's basically a long list of who ordained whom, Dating all the way from my ordination in June of 2016, all the way back to the ordination of Thomas Coke and Francis Asbury, the ones that were were ordained by John Wesley at the Christmas Conference in 1784. See, Thomas Coke and Francis Asbury were hand selected by John Wesley to organize what became known as the Methodist Episcopal Church, which eventually became known as the United Methodist church in the United States. When Bishop O. ordained me in 2016, he laid his hands on me just as John Wesley would have laid hands on those former bishops in 1784. And when Bishop O. ordained me in 2016, he used words that had been used by bishops to ordain elders for generations. He prayed this prayer saying, Almighty God, pour upon Clay Michael Lundberg the Holy Spirit for the office and work of an elder in Christ's holy church. And when Bishop O. did that, when he ordained me, he made me a part of a lineage. I can trace my who ordained whom all the way back from Bishop O. to Bishop Armstrong and so on and so forth, all the way back to John Wesley. When I was ordained, I was made a part of a group of people who had discerned a particular call to ministry. I became a part of a group that shares a common mission. In the life of the United Methodist Church, it is the work of the elder to administer the sacraments, to be a steward of God's word, to order the life of the church and give an example of what a life of service can look like. I am an ordained elder. I'm a part of this group. But I'm not naive to the fact that ministry is bigger than one office in the church. Ministry is bigger than just one pastor. Ministry is bigger than one particular denomination. And so that's why these words are also spoken at our ordination service as United Methodists. The bishop will say to all those gathered, ministry is the work of God done by the people of God. Through baptism, all Christians are made part of the priesthood of all believers, the church, Christ's body made visible in the world. We all share in Jesus' ministry of love and service for the redemption of the human family and the whole of creation. As those who call on the name of Christ, my friends, we share a common work. We share a common mission. And it is exactly the mission that is on full display at the end of Luke's gospel and the story of the walk to Emmaus. During these weeks following Easter, we have spent our time walking along these two disciples, seeing how the story has unfolded on the walk to Emmaus. We have been with them every step of the seven and a half mile journey that they've been on from Jerusalem to Emmaus. We've been with them on this journey, and we've watched the lessons that Jesus is teaching during their time together. The story begins as an unknown traveler approaches them on the road and asks the question, what are you talking about as you walk along the way? And the two disciples share of their experiences, they share their stories. And in response, the unknown traveler, whom we know to be Jesus, shares how his ministry, how his life, connects to the larger story of God's salvation. And when evening comes and the disciples arrive at their destination, arrive in Emmaus, they all share a table together. And this is where the truth is revealed. This is where it is all made known. It has been Jesus who has been with them the entire time. As I said last week, it is in this moment, around that table, where the rumors of resurrection are made verifiable fact. It is, as the women said on that resurrection morning, it is, as Jesus promised that it will be, it is that Jesus is risen. He is risen indeed. And he has been with them the entire time. This unknown traveler has been their friend, has been their leader, has been their Lord. And as the day of resurrection draws to a close, the disciples have a choice to make. As the day of resurrection draws to a close, it's up to them to figure out what they're going to do next. What will they do in light of all that they have heard, in all that they have seen, and in all that they have experienced? And it's a legitimate question because, let's just be honest, those disciples have been through it in the past few days these disciples lived through all of the events of holy week i know it's been a little bit for us but holy week for us as those that are so far removed from the story is at least a week that leaves us feeling a little bit breathless they actually went through those things they were first-hand witnesses They gather with the the disciples who sequestered themselves out of grief of all that has happened, but also out of fear because they don't know what's coming next. They've walked this seven and a half mile journey, which, by the way, is a feat in and of itself. And they've come to the end of a very long day after a very long week, and they prepared a meal to share with this perfect stranger. And how many of us in the face of a busy day end up at a fast food drive through because preparing a meal just feels like a bridge too far? It's a miracle that the Taco John's is right across the street from the church. Sometimes that's not good news. But is it reasonable to assume that the disciples would have rested and waited until the morning? I think it is. It's reasonable to assume that those disciples would have taken the time to rest. It's reasonable to assume that the disciples would have taken the time to reevaluate their lives and recalibrate their brains based on the boatload of information that has just been dropped on them. It would be reasonable to assume that the disciples would be completely exhausted. And the idea of traveling seven and a half more miles would just be too much. It would all be reasonable, wouldn't it? But the disciples share this common mission, they share this common desire to spread the good news of the truth of the resurrection. And they want, more than anything, to share that news with the disciples, with the 11 disciples, those that knew Jesus the best, because, quite frankly, they were feeling just as bewildered and just as hopeless as they were at the start of the day. And Jesus is going to make it all right. Jesus is going to reveal himself to the disciples. Jesus is going to make himself known to all of us. That these two disciples and Emmaus know the truth, and they know it now, and they want to share that with others. They know the truth behind everything that has that has been they've been through in the last few days. They know the truth that now unifies the words of the Old Testament with their lived experiences, and for us, the rest of the New Testament. They know that what at, that lies at the heart of the past few days is the resurrection. They know that Jesus is risen, and just being exhausted is not a good enough excuse to keep that news to themselves. Just being exhausted is not a good enough reason to keep that news to themselves. And so in light of it being reasonable that they would have just waited till the morning, they did the unreasonable thing. They went to the disciples in Jerusalem without delay to tell them everything. And when they arrived in Jerusalem, they shared all of it. They shared the conversation. They shared the meal. They shared the story of the heartburn that they experienced in the presence of Jesus. All so that the disciples could know the truth of the resurrection. And all so that the disciples could reaffirm the substance of their hope made known in Jesus. What's interesting to me is that neither Scripture nor the rest of church history tell us more about what happened to those disciples on that day. We don't know what happened next. After the story, the Gospel of Luke swings back into the life of Jesus. And then the Gospel of Luke gives way to the book of Acts, and it swings to the story of the 11 disciples that knew Jesus best. But what we know from the lives of those 11 disciples is that their lives were never the same. They went on to live lives that were devoted to this shared mission. And they never wavered. And they never logicked their way out of it. They passed on the message of God's love made known in Jesus Christ. They passed on the story, they passed on the power of God's love made known in Jesus Christ. They passed on to the group of the new believers that gathered on the day of Pentecost. They passed the story on to the eventual apostle Paul. They passed the story on to Paul's evangelistic network of Barnabas, Silas, Timothy and the others. Through their work and through their ministry, through their devotion to the mission, they shared the good news with Cornelius, a Gentile and a court official of the nation of Ethiopia. They stayed dedicated to the mission and they never looked back. And in the goodness of God, their shared mission made its way to someone who knew you in the goodness of god the goodness the good news of god's love made known in jesus christ made its way to a sunday school class in your hometown made its way to someone who told you made its way to a church camp made its way to a confirmation class made its way to the point where you have come to know the good news too But the good news comes with a mission. And that mission is to share. That mission is to tell. To tell someone. Anyone. Everyone. The good news of God's love made known in Jesus Christ. So let me ask you this. Who do you know? that needs good news? Who do you know that's been through it in the past week, in the past month, in the past year, in the past life? Who do you know that needs good news? And who better to tell them than you? It's not up to ordained people to tell the good news of Jesus Christ. We will help you. We will inspire you, maybe. You'll share in spite of us sometimes. But we'll be there to remind you of the mission. We all have a shared mission. Ministry is the work of God done by the people of God. Through baptism, all Christians are made part of the priesthood of all believers, the church, Christ's body made visible in the world. We all share in the mission and the ministry of Jesus' love and service for the redemption of the human family and the whole of creation. Tell. Share. There's good news to tell. Would you pray with me? Risen and reigning Christ, we give you thanks for this day. We give you thanks for the ways that people have moved and worked in our lives, for the ways that you have moved and worked in people's lives to bring about this good news. We give you thanks for the way that you inspired those that have gone before us to share, and for the way that you are currently inspiring us to go forth, to share the good news of your love made known through Jesus. Be with us because it's hard work. Be with us because it's scary work. Be with us because it's important work to live a life in service to you. We will share this good news. Amen. Thanks for listening to this week's sermon from the Canton United Methodist Church. Join us in person or online at 10 o'clock every Sunday morning for worship. And now go in peace and serve the Lord. I want to encourage you after the message to head over to our YouTube channel and click the subscribe button. Over on YouTube, you will find videos of our entire worship service, a videocast of our weekly cut-for-time conversation with Pastor Clay and Eric, songs from our praise band One Way Up, and a bunch of other great things as well. Just search for Canton United Methodist Church. It would mean a lot to have you subscribe.